the name of Jesus. <laughs> that reminds us that he died in our place. He's, he's our king. He's coming back again for us. Well, that, that just changes everything. It's so good to see you today. I hope you're feeling well. Uh, are you doing good today? How many of you really like this cool weather? How many of you, it's the second day without sun and you're tired of winter in Florida? Yeah, I thought, thought that's, that's the way we get after a while, you know? We're in a study of the book of Philippians. And uh, the theme of the book of Philippians is on joy. And Paul's uh, writing to us, writing to the Christians in Philippi, he's writing to you and me, he's telling us how to get joy, but you know, more and more, how to keep it, how to live it on a daily basis, okay? Now, have you ever uh, saw something and, and somebody told you it was, something was going to happen and, and you said, that's impossible, you know, that can't do it, that, that just can't happen. Imagine that you had never seen a plane fly before, an airplane fly before. Imagine that you saw a, a picture of, a, of uh, this plane. This is the world's uh, largest plane, the world's heaviest aircraft, okay? Uh, I read that it weighs 640 tons uh, when it is uh, full. 640 tons. Now, uh, I weigh 200 pounds. And uh, when I jump, I, I can't get three feet off the ground. But this plane that weighs 640 tons can get 35,000 feet. Now, see, if I'd never seen a plane before, and I'm watching it, I'm seeing that plane, and somebody says, it, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fly, it's going to go up 35,000, I'd say that's impossible. And you probably would too, okay? Now, have you ever read the Bible? You, you read a Bible verse, and you think, that's impossible. We're going to read one today. Philippians chapter 3, we're now to chapter 3, and this is what Paul says. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> now, let's be honest. Most of those people say, well, <laughs> that, that's impossible. I mean, you know, if I was stricken with cancer, I, I wouldn't be rejoicing. You know, if I was thrown in jail, like Paul, actually, uh, I wouldn't, that, that would not, I would not be rejoicing. And, you know, let's be honest, most of us say, whatever happens, oh, I don't know. Friend, it is possible, okay, for two reasons at least. Number one, God said it. If, if God said it, it's possible with God, thing, all things are what? Possible. It's possible because Paul proved it. It's possible because he lived it out. It's possible because when he wrote this letter, he was sitting in a prison. He was chained to a Roman guard. And he was rejoicing. So this morning, how can you and I have joy, whatever happens? Well, you can if you remember two things. Number one, if you remember that God promises to work 
all things together, all things, all good things, all bad things together for good to them that love God and do his will. Now, that doesn't mean we're happy about the problem. That doesn't mean that we rejoice because some tragedy strikes or crisis comes. It means we're joyful because God promised to take that which is so hard and so difficult and so troubling and turn it into something good if we trust him. Like, like how can you rejoice when a loved one dies? You don't rejoice because the loved one dies. You're not rejoicing because now they're gone from your life. You rejoice because you know that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he conquered death. And that's not the final chapter. And death is sad for those that are left behind. And, but if they know Jesus Christ, they go to be with him. We Christians, we are told in God's word, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We rejoice in how God is going to turn this into something good. Death's not the end for the child of God. It's the doorway to be with God. And you see, we rejoice. And the second reason is you can have joy when whatever happens, when bad things happen, if you remember all the good things the Lord has given you. You know, unfortunately, a bad thing happening can make us forget the good things. God gave you life. God formed you in his in your mother's womb. He fashioned you. He, he breathed his own breath into you. That's why you're alive. He sent his son to die on the cross for you so that all your sins could be forgiven and you could live in heaven forever and ever and ever. See, you know, a bad thing can make us forget all the good things, all the great things, the awesome things, the eternal things that God has given to us. This past Thursday, uh, somebody who I met uh, about three months ago and see on a daily basis now, uh, they really shocked me. <laughs> they came in, they greeted me in the morning and they said, don't you ever have a bad day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But does a bad thing cancel all the good things, the great things, the awesome things that God has given to us? See, we, we, we can remember those things. We can put things in perspective. We can see things accurately that this one bad thing doesn't cancel the good things, the great things of God. But unfortunately for us as human beings, I mean, this is the way we are. We're emotional beings and we act and respond to what's happening to us right now. But happiness, happiness is found if you have good things happening to you. Well, then we're happy. The problem is good things happen, but bad things happen too. And if we're looking for joy in the circumstances of our life, we're not going to find real joy. We're not going to find lasting joy. But did you see the, the last three words of that verse there? Four words, excuse me. Rejoice in what? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. If we look for joy in the Lord, we'll experience real joy. Because he's going to make it right. He's going to turn it into something good for his glory and for our good. And so that's why Paul's writing this letter. And he goes on. He says, folks, I never get tired of telling you this. I've told you this many times. I told you this when I was your pastor there for two years in Philippi. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to what? I do it to safeguard your faith. Okay, 
Did you know not having joy is dangerous? Yeah, it is. It's dangerous to your emotions, okay? It's dangerous to your outlook. It's dangerous to your faith. Rejoicing safeguards our faith because, see, griping, that destroys our joy. Rejoicing in the Lord gives you joy. Now, one of the problems we have with joy, one of the reasons why, you know, joy seems unusual, okay, to the world, is we try to find joy in things other than the Lord. We try to find joy in a possession, a thing, okay? And, you know, when we get something we really want, you know, it gives us joy. Oh, this is so nice. How long does that joy last? Till we want the the next thing, okay? Joy is not found in sinful pleasures. People think, oh, I, oh man, that's really going to make me happy. That is going to be so exciting. That would be so wonderful. If it's a sinful pleasure, it's not going to give you joy. It's going to take it away. We try to find joy in relationships with other people. There's a problem with other people. They're like us. They let us down. They're not perfect. They fail. We try to find joy in religion. Yeah, a lot of people try to do that. They they want to, you know, not be feel guilty or convicted or anything. So religion. And Paul then is going to warn them. In the very next verse, verse 2, Paul warns them. He gives them a warning. He says this, watch out for those dogs. We'll explain that. Watch out for those dogs. <laughs> those people who do evil. Those mutilators who say this who tell you that you must be circumcised to be saved. Now, how many of you, someone's come up to you and say, you have to be circumcised to be saved? No, I don't see any. Okay, well, you didn't live 2,000 years ago. Okay, you weren't Jewish. Okay, you've never been told that. But you've been told subtly or maybe indirectly, you've got to be baptized to be saved. You've got to uh, be confirmed. You have to join this church. You have to be Catholic. No, you have to be Protestant. Are those things going to give us joy? No. And Paul calls the people who say those things that they're evil dogs. Okay. Now, how many of you have a dog? How many of you have an evil dog? Okay. You know, not many, not many. Every once in a while there's an evil dog. But, you know, you love your dog, don't you? How many of you have a picture of your dog on your phone? How many of you love your dog? How many of you love your dog more than your spouse? (laughs) We love dogs, okay? All right, but in Paul's day, dogs weren't pets. They didn't have pet dogs, okay? Dogs, most dogs were wild scavengers who were roaming the streets looking for food. These were wild dogs who killed other animals, sometimes even humans. And what's Paul saying? Why is he, he's not just being nasty like our politicians today. He's, he's making a point. He's saying those who tell you you have to be saved, that you have to do a religious ritual, whatever that is, or you have to keep their man-made rules about how to be saved, they're going to kill your joy. They're going to kill your joy. 
We can't be saved by religious rituals or rules. We are saved when we admit we're sinners and enter into a relationship with the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And we walk with him as our Savior and Lord. Joy is found in a relationship with Jesus, not rituals, not religious rituals, and not man-made rules. And so he goes on. Don't believe that. Don't believe that and don't live that. Don't look for your joy in religion. Verse 3, for we who worship by the Spirit of God. See, when we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And he gives us a desire to love God and to worship God. For we who worship by the Spirit of God, we're the ones who are truly circumcised. Okay? And let's just stop there and, and talk about that just a little bit. This has Old Testament history, of course. And we'll even go back. Okay. The days of Noah, okay, you know, when uh, God had to judge the world and there, there was a worldwide flood. Well, how did he do that, you know, with that flood, okay? Now, when Noah, when God told Noah and then Noah told other people that it was going to rain, they said, what's rain? And then when he told them that, that this, it was just going to keep raining, it was going to cover the whole earth and everybody who did not come into the ark would die, you know, people didn't, they're like, you're nuts. You're crazy. Wondering, they had never seen rain. They didn't know what rain was. Now, afterwards, when Noah and his family were saved, and then the, as the population, you know, grew, you know, following that. Now, if then those people uh, who'd never seen rain before, or excuse me, it then people who went through the flood but were saved, right? But what would happen if they saw rain clouds? They'd be a little nervous, wouldn't they? So God gave them a promise. God gave them a sign that he would never destroy the world again with a flood. And what was that sign? The rainbow, okay? That was God's promise that he was going to protect them, okay? So now years later, in the time of Abraham, God gave another sign. He gave this to Abraham, that he would protect his family, his descendants. And that sign was circumcision. God told Abraham he had to be circumcised, and he was 100 years old now, and that he had to circumcise all his sons and all his grandsons. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, Abraham's thinking, now, wait a minute, God. You gave Noah a rainbow, and you give me circumcision. <laughs> this is not exactly fair. And all of us have been, there have been times when we said, God, this isn't fair. He's a good person, God. He loves you. He serves you. Why did you get cancer? That family, they were a good family. Why were they killed by drunk driving? And friend, I, you know, I just have to say to you that I can't answer for God. What his word does tell us is that one day we'll have the answers. We'll see all the things that God did 
how God turned that around for good. But in any case, that was the sign. And if it's really bothering you now, you can ask God when you get there, but it probably won't matter at that point. But here's, here's, see, Paul's making a point. In Abraham's day then, and from Abraham's day on, circumcision was supposed to be the sign that people would take, the sign that males would take that they loved God and they were God's people. But the problem is, a person can have a circumcised body, but not a circumcised heart. Not a heart that loves God. And that's why Paul says, no, circumcision doesn't make you right with God. And it doesn't give you a heart for God. We're the circumcision. If we love God. If we follow his things. So in chapter 3 here, we're going to see Paul talk about three things that uh, we can find real joy in. Now, there's no outline in the back of the bulletin. We usually do. But uh, because our power was supposed to be turned off like I announced uh, last Sunday that our power was going to be turned off last week so we did the bulletin a week ahead okay the power wasn't turned off so now it's supposed to be turned off this week so oh never mind okay um, there's no bulletin outline okay so I'll try to be uh, clear and help out in that way we get joy in three things number one we get joy in worship not work we don't get joy because we get, be, just because we got baptized or we got confirmed or we go to church. Or we get joy in really worshiping God and focusing on Him and thinking about Him and thanking Him. I've asked so many people, um, are you sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? Might as well talk about what really matters, huh? Are you really sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? And the two most common answers, well, first they say, well, I hope so. But then they say, well, I hope so because I've been a good person. Or I hope so because I got baptized or confirmed or or something like that. Friend, in heaven, no one is going to be up there thinking, oh, boy, I'm so glad I was so good that I got to heaven. No one's going to think that. Well, I deserve to be here. I got baptized. I gave offerings. I tithed. No. We'll all be thinking, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be here. The only reason I am here is because of God's grace and Jesus Christ's sacrifice for all my sins. And we spend the rest of eternity worshiping and praising him. But, friend, that's important for today. You, you, uh, you're not going to heaven today. Well, maybe some, maybe you are. I don't know. Okay? But it's important for living our life here on earth. Why? Because here on earth, it's very easy for us Christians who, who live good lives. Okay? It's very easy for us to think, well, I'm good. And, and I got baptized. And I go to church. And I tithe. And, you know, when we do those things, we're not worshiping God. We're worshiping ourselves. I'm No, it's the grace of God. And that's why he goes on in verse 3. He said, we rely, and if you want joy, we rely on what Jesus Christ has done for us, not on what we're doing for him. We put no confidence in the human effort. We're not saved by anything we've done. We're saved by what Christ has done for us on the cross. 
We put no confidence in human uh, efforts, he says, verse 4, though I actually, Paul writes, I could have a lot of confidence in my efforts, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I can probably top you, he says, with all my good deeds, my religious credentials. And he goes and he lists them, starting in verse 5. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Now, in America, we circumcise babies, okay? We circumcise them on the day they were born, but the, the Old Testament said do it on the eighth day. And Paul's saying, hey, I got one up on you. I was circumcised on the right day. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, God's people. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, okay? Now, Benjamin was one of the honored tribes. Benjamin and Judah were the most honored tribes uh, in Israel. Okay? Now, the first king of Israel, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. So was Saul. So, you know, another kudo there, all right? Now, moreover, the name of the first king of Israel was what? Who was the first king of Israel? Saul. What was Paul's name before Jesus gave him a new name? Saul. Hey, man, hey, if it's religious credentials, you know, Paul's saying, hey, I've got them. Verse 5, I was a real Hebrew, okay, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. Did you know that only 300 men were allowed to be to have the title Pharisee? Very small number. Boy, you had to really be good. You had to keep all the law, and that's what he said the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. The Pharisees didn't just keep all the laws in the Old Testament. They made up 613 of their own that you had to keep. I mean, like you could, you could walk 200 yards, but if you walked 201 yards, you had broken the law, their law, their rules. I was so zealous that that's the reason why I persecuted the church, because I thought they were enemies of the law. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And I, Paul writes, I went off. I thought those, I'm doing it. I'm pleasing God. I thought all those things were valuable, but now, now that I've met Jesus, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless. And the word garbage. All those things, all the things that I put so much value on, they're worthless when compared with what? With the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's where the joy is. What's the only thing that has infinite and eternal value? Knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not your house, not your car, not your job, not your hobby, not your pleasure, whatever it is. What has infinite value and brings eternal joy? Knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal, intimate, passionate relationship with him. Friend, that's the second thing. We get joy in relationship with Jesus. Not the rituals we do. I am so glad you're here today. But coming here is not going to give you lasting 
joy, real joy. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably give you some joy. You meet some friends, you have a cup of coffee, you get a little nap during the sermon. Yeah, you know, it can bring you a little bit of joy. Not real joy. Not lasting joy. Unless it's about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, Paul goes on. Because I found Jesus, because I met him, because I got to know him, because he changed my life for his sake, I gave up all those other things. I have discarded everything I once held so dear. And now I count it as garbage. Doesn't last. Doesn't give me a lasting joy. And I gave those things up because, see, I depended on those things to make me joyful. I gave those up so I could gain Christ and become one with him. And I no longer brag about and find pride in my righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous, which means right with God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Friend, you want joy? You can be right with God because of faith. You can be right with God. You don't have to fear anything. You're right with God because of faith. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith, our faith in his son. Paul stops loving all the things that he once valued. His privileged upbringing. He was born into the right family, a famous family, a privileged, wealthy family. He, he, he gave up his Ivy League education. He was in the University of Gamaliel, who was the most outstanding rabbi of the day. He gave up all his accomplishments. He had worked his way up the ladder. Paul gave up all his wealth. Paul gave up his reputation. He had all those things. And none of them gave him joy. He got joy by knowing Christ. The, grave, the joy greater than anything else. And then he goes on. What is my passion now? Verse 10. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to grow in my love and my knowledge and experience and relationship. I want to experience the mighty power of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And I love him so much, I even want to suffer for him. He suffered for me. I'm glad to do it. I want to suffer because I think in sharing in his persecution and his death even, I'll get to know him even more. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And that's what he experienced. He rose. I get to rise also. And so the question is, for, do we want to know Christ that way? Do we want to love him? Do we want to serve him? <laughs> Are we willing to, be, to suffer for him? I've I got to be honest with you. I, I can't honestly say I want to suffer with him. But I do want to know him and love him and grow in my relationship. And if I have to suffer, he suffered for me. He suffered for me. Do we want a relationship with Jesus that's so passionate that we're willing to give up everything 
she probably won't ask us to. Whether we uh, we love him or not. If we do, we'll have real joy. Lasting joy, eternal joy. That's the third thing. We get joy in passion, not passivity. It's very easy to make Christianity a passive religion. Just know what God's word says, but not do it. To come and sit and enjoy or not enjoy a service, hearing God's word, but not to go out and do it and live it in our lives. You see, it's very easy for us for this to be very, very passive. News anchor uh, Dan Rather, CBS anchor for so many years. It's widely known that he had three pieces of paper that he kept with him at all times. In fact, he had three pieces of paper. They all said the same thing, but he had one of those in his pocket. He had one of those on his desk. He had one of those in his car. And this piece of paper said this. Is what you are doing right now going to hurt or help your broadcast today? Is what you're doing right now going to hurt or help your broadcast today? Now, why did he write that down? Why did he have those three pieces of paper, one in his pocket, one on his desk, one in his car? Because the broadcast, that was his first and foremost passion. That was what was on his piece of paper. The question for us is, what's on our piece of paper? What's, what's our, our first and, and foremost passion? And Paul is sharing that he just wasted so many valuable years of his life living an empty life because he had the wrong thing written on his paper. You know what? He accomplished all the things that were written on his paper. And it left him empty. No fulfillment. No joy. And Paul is sharing with these people that he loves and sharing with you and me. He's telling us that he found the greatest joy of all. Passionately loving Jesus Christ. Not being passive about it. Being passionate for him. What's your greatest passion? pretty easy really to know you know a lot of times we say my greatest passion is this but it's really not true what's your greatest passion it's what you talk about it's what you spend your time on it's what you spend your money for what's your passion is it Jesus is it knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and you see, Paul is telling the Philippians this, and he's, he's writing to you and to me because he wants us to experience that joy. And he says, you will, you will, if you take that next step and you walk with Jesus. Every Sunday we talk about the next step. See, Jesus is always on the move, okay? If we're following him, if we're walking with him, we're taking steps too. And that's what Paul is a, a, a appealing to 
take the next step so that you so that your love for Jesus Christ and living for him becomes more passionate. Because that's what's on your heart. We want joy so that whatever happens, <laughs> you can rejoice also, which is what it's telling us. Paul was chained to a Roman guard in prison. And he was rejoicing. You and I can too, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Today, some of you are in tough circumstances. You have heavy burdens. You know, you can rejoice in those because God has promised to turn things together for good for those who love God. God's on the throne. He can do that. You can. He can. Charles Thomas Studd was born uh, in, the 18, in 1860 in England to fabulously wealthy parents. Uh, Charles, or C.T. as they called him, he was gifted academically. He was very bright. He was educated at Cambridge University. He was also a gifted athlete and was headed for a career as a professional cricket player and would be very, very famous and make a lot of money. When uh, C.T. was 18 years old, there was a visiting preacher who came, actually stay, was staying in their home. And one day, C.T. was on his way to play cricket uh, for the cricket match, and, and the preacher stopped him and, and said, are you a Christian? And C.T.'s answer was not very convincing, so the preacher shared with him how that being a Christian was not about being good enough, but it was about knowing and loving Jesus Christ who died in our place to save us. And C.T., that day, this is, this is what he wrote. He said, I got down on my knees and thanked God for his son, Jesus. And right then and there, joy came into my soul. I was born again. And the Bible, which had been so dull and dry to me before, became everything. I began to talk to my friends to persuade them to read the Gospels about Jesus. I spoke to them individually about their souls. I cannot tell you what joy it gave me to bring the first person to the Lord, Jesus Christ. I had tasted almost all the pleasures this world can give, but those pleasures were nothing compared to the joy seeing that one person give their lives to Christ. He became so passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave up his career as a professional cricket player. He went to China as a missionary. He was in China when he turned 25 years old, which, according to his father's will, was the year that he would inherit a fortune for life. C.T. felt led to give that entire fortune to the work of telling others about Jesus Christ. People called C.T. a fool. Here was this guy who gave up who was going to be a famous, uh, wealthy cricket player. Instead, he went to China. He gave up a massive fortune so millions of people could hear about Jesus. Everybody thought C.T. was a fool. Well, everybody but C.T. Because he knew how much joy he had. Everybody but God. Everybody but those he led to the Lord. Did you know that in China today, did you know that in communist China, where they persecute the church, where they try to stop Christianity, did you know that there are 100 million 
followers of Christ in China. And C.T. Studd had a big part of that. And right now, C.T. Studd is in heaven, and he's still meeting people. Millions of people came to know Jesus Christ. And C.T. Studd wrote a poem. And here are two lines of it. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And friend, that's true. It, it really is true. Only what's done for Christ will last. And here on earth, we try to find joy in things that can't give us joy. In fact, in many ways, that's what the world is like. Real joy, long-lasting joy, eternal joy is not found in pleasures. It's not found in possessions. It's not found in positions. It's found in Christ. It's found in a passion for something that matters. It's found in a passion for loving and living for Jesus Christ. And doesn't that make sense? Because one day somebody said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, I tried to keep all the commandments. You know, I think I've kept thousands of them. I just want to make sure I got them all covered. And, and, and let me ask you this, Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? Is it to be circumcised? Is it to tithe? Does it give alms to the poor? What, what's the greatest command? I want to make sure I got that one. What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Soul, mind, strength. Love means passion for him. Because it's the only thing that matters right at this very moment. That's where we find joy. Our, our heart is designed to find joy in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, um, I've got so far to go. I'm loving Jesus with everything in my heart. Today, I want to take the next step. loving things, dedicating myself to things. I'm thankful you love me. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help my brothers and sisters in Christ. True joy is found in knowing and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, God, I pray. Uh, friend, if you were to die today, are you sure you're on your way to heaven? If Jesus Christ came back today for his followers, would he be coming back for you? Now that's an eternal question. That's what we really want. Tell him you're gonna you're gonna walk with him. God helping you, you're gonna walk with him. You're gonna live for him, and not for things that don't matter. Meet Jesus like Paul did. Let him come and live in you, and change you, and fill you with joy. Christian, did you know joy leaks in our life?
some of us today we met Jesus and could raise a prayer of our. We were so excited, so thankful. Joy can leave as we refill with asking God to give us a passion for Jesus, to stir it up, to refresh it, to deepen it up, to give us a passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, my friends, God wants it all for us. Joy that matters, joy that lasts forever. God wants you to be walking with his son, because that's the only way you'll get your hands dirty. But if you're walking with his son, joy, joy will not fail. Joy that lasts forever. We thank you, dear Father, that you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to know how to embrace Christ as your Savior, if you need prayer, there'll be people at the front here. And they'll be glad to pray with you. Now, we have to have a, a congregational meeting, okay? Now, it's going to be very, very short. We need to elect two people to serve on on the nominating committee, and it won't last long. But in a minute, I'm going to dismiss you, and if you have to go, uh, obviously, please uh, slip out at this point. We'd invite you to stay uh, for our congregational meeting. It won't last long. Uh, in fact, maybe you could help us if we're going to have an election. Maybe you can make sure there's no Russian collusion or interference or something, you know, that we do it right and whatever. Uh, but it only takes uh, just a few minutes. So uh, members and regular attendees, please, please stay. Just stay right where you are. Uh, and then I'll have you stand. And if you have to go, go. But if not, uh, just, just be seated. And that'll, that'll be great. If you need prayer again.